But really that quest for freedom, that desire for freedom, the exercise of freedom is fundamentally what makes us human or, or more to the point, human persons, rational persons, that we do have a freedom about our life that is an image of the freedom of God himself. Welcome to Le Bon Vie, where we talk about the good life and the good ways of pursuing it. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Alvarado, joined with our other host, Deacon Adam Conk. How are you doing today, Deacon? Doing great. I'm excited about our topic today because it's so important. I'm feeling a little oppressed, to be oh. honest with you. Are you? What does that feel like? <laughs> well, it feels like a, a lack of um, freedom. Ah, Good segue into the topic today. But yeah, we're going to talk about freedom. And, you know, the, the point of this podcast is that we can journey together to have a classical home for our classical school, that we can encourage one another in living out our family life to the full. And such a foundational topic for that is freedom. Why, though? Why is freedom such a big deal for the, for the Christian life? I mean, I already... And very, very good at doing what I want. Yeah, most of us are pretty good at doing what we want. And uh, most of us feel oppressed when we can't do what we want, right? Like that's that experience of oppression. But really that quest for freedom, that desire for freedom, the exercise of freedom is fundamentally what makes us human or, or more to the point, human persons, rational persons, that we do have a freedom about our life that is an image of the freedom of God himself, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the very act of God, is not a cold, sterile act, but an act in freedom, that the Father generates the Son in freedom, and the Son, receiving that life, returns it to the Father in freedom, and that this free act of love, of self-gift between them, which is the Holy Spirit, is all takes place in freedom. And so we who are made in that image and likeness, we have within us a human act, if you will, where we know and we love and this takes place in freedom, or it doesn't, right? Or we're not free to know, or not free to love, or exercise our human act. And so the basis of, of the whole human project is that we are free to live as we were created to live. Not free to do whatever we want, but free to live as we were created to live. And Mr. Alvarado, the confusion of what freedom is can be the beginning of so many ills, right, of human living. Yeah. Well, it seems like the very word freedom has a very different meaning to a more modern thinker as compared to someone who is living out the classical paradigm. So in the classical world, uh, the word freedom, if it's used to mean license or the ability to do whatever you want, that wouldn't make any sense to classical man. No sense at all. So I guess we can start and define our terms. What is freedom? as kind of defined in the classical tradition. Yeah, freedom is, succinctly and not indefinitely, but freedom is the ability to live as we ought, or 
um, the disposition that I am free to do what I ought to do or to live life as life ought to be lived, um, to think as I ought to think, to choose as I ought to choose. Whereas, you know, the more modern idea of freedom or notion of freedom would be that I am free to do whatever I want to do, to think whatever I want to think, to choose however I want to choose, that I, my desires is the foundation of freedom, where this, again, this would be ridiculous to not only classical man, but classical Christianity. Absolutely, yeah. One of the important terms that's kind of bound up with the modern use of freedom is this this desire to um, define oneself or, or to self... kind of losing the term here, but I'm not free to recall it at the moment. <laughs> so you're not free. Um, no, but you're right. I mean, think back to the uh, recent Supreme Court decision that legalized um, same-sex unions as marriage throughout the country. And the decision itself said that human beings have the fundamental right to define reality for themselves. Yes. Self-determination. Self-determination. So we enshrined this notion of freedom that is counter-human. I mean, that is not human. We are not the definitions of reality. Indeed. And notice that whenever we are receptive to what reality is, then we do not have to impose what we think onto reality. Rather, it simply emanates from it. So there's no need for a big overturning court case in order to redefine something that's grounded in the natural law. So for for modern man, yes, this notion of freedom is, is intimately bound up with the desire to self-express, to to define oneself according to one's own will. And in other words, is to take that the will and place it above the intellect. But for classical man, freedom is not so much about the self as it is about man's ability to be in right relationship to what is not himself, to be in right relationship to reality. In other words, free to know the truth, to be in right relationship with others, free for what is good, to be in right relationship with how man experiences the wonders of reality, beauty, but also freedom would be that ability to be connected, to be unified, the freedom for unity. And so freedom is not so much about what I want or what I can do, but rather how can I be connected? And I love that because it is a choice to have a classical home in a modern world. It's a very difficult choice. <laughs> but this is the fundamental choice. Am I going to be a free human being to receive reality as a gift, to receive truth as a gift, to receive the life that God wants to give me as a gift and respond to that in freedom? Or am I going to have a home where everyone's just trying to do whatever they want? Yes, yes. A home where we are free to enjoy one another or a home where by pursuing what we want, we constantly clash into one another. Yes. And the point of it, the whole project of the education we provide at this school, of the, the Christian community we all seek to have, the whole point of it is that we would become more free people. In fact, this is the idea of liberal arts education, right? That yeah, so we're, it's where liberal comes from, freeing. 
not to be confused with the common political, polemical understanding of liberal, but rather those arts by which man is made free. Awesome. Well, this is Le Bon V. Thanks for joining us. I'm Deacon Adam Conk. We have Mr. Kyle Alvarado here. We're talking about freedom today. And uh, it's now time to share our, our quote from John Paul II, our patron on our topic. And so, Mr. Alvarado, I love the one you got for today. Let's do it. Yeah, so Pope St. John Paul the Great in Fides et Ratio, he directly deals a blow to this modern sense of freedom as license. Free, if, if freedom means let's do whatever we want, well then there are certain consequences to that that render man's very ability to be free nonsensical. And so here we are in chapter one of Fides et Ratio, Pope St. John Paul the Great writes... This is why the Church has always considered the act of entrusting oneself to God to be a moment of fundamental decision, which engages the whole person. In that act, the intellect and the will display their spiritual nature, enabling the subject to act in a way which realizes personal freedom to the full. It is not just that freedom is part of the act of faith, it is absolutely required. Indeed, it is faith that allows individuals to give consummate expression to their own freedom. Put differently, freedom is not realized in decisions made against God. I love this. And so, you know, getting concrete with it, the home we live in, if we want it to be a home of faith, it has to be a home of freedom. Indeed. I love how Pope St. John Paul the Great uses the word consummate. And in that word consummate, well, it, it draws in its meaning in the very fecundity which, which marital couples are called, are called to. Um, and again, he writes, it is faith that allows individuals to give consummate expression to their own freedom. And so asking, in the way that we run our household, are we inviting our spouse and our children to give consummate expression to their own freedom? And so before we turn to our children in the next segment, encouraging their freedom on campus and how we can do that as parents, um, I think what you just said is a profound moment to pause with our, our spouse and ourselves and that the freedom of our married life together, the freedom of how we run our household, if we're pursuing freedom together, will naturally spill into freedom for our children. Freedom, you know, it makes sense. But this this idea of freedom in our faith as married people, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, on how marriage is designed for freedom, must be exercised in freedom, and is a great location for that faith to be exercised. Like, we have... We have to have faith as married people, right? But in freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of paradoxical because the kind of love that, that well, requires a sacrament, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of love that must be ordered through a special sacramental grace, we refer to as conjugal love. And uh, conjugal comes from the Latin uh, conjugal, or yoking. And we often th recall... That Christ says, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy, and my... For my yoke is easy, and my burden my yoke is, is light. There you go. There you go. 
um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But not many people realize that a yoke is the harness that puts multiple oxen or beasts of burdens together and directs their power to move. And so that that paradox that that our freedom as spouses is only fully expressed when we are yoked to our spouse. And this is such a challenge to us, again, our modern notion of marriage and married freedom, right? Like, I mean, how many young marriages struggle because the goal is, I want to help you do whatever you want. Right. I want to be on your team to help you pursue all the hobbies you want, all the things that make you happy, all the, you know, I want to get you all the best things so that you can do whatever you want. And then we wonder why things aren't working well. Exactly. <laughs> well, as opposed to um, this kind of earnest reality that my happiness really depends on my will being directly connected to yours. And marriage is that fundamental experience of the, the Christian paradox of freedom is that Christ, who is the most free person human ever, emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Hmm. Right? So the slavery of Christianity and the slavery of spousal love is the path to freedom. Like Pope John Paul II was talking about, our freedom is most consummate in giving ourselves completely to God. Yeah. So the the slavery of that, which is I'm not going to say what I want to say, I'm not going to do what I want to do, this is what the Son of God did. Jesus said, I have not come to say my own words, but what the Father tells me to say, to do my own actions, but what the Father tells me to do. Jesus became a slave to the Father and a slave to all. In that is the consummation of his personal freedom. How much more so us who are mere creatures. And marriage, what an opportunity to not say what we want to say, but what is good for our spouse. To not do what Mm -hmm. we want to do, but what is good for our spouse. And what God is calling us to do. So there's this beautiful yoking in marriage to find the freedom that only comes in the slavery of Christian love. Absolutely. And to live out radically the reality that my happiness is no longer something that's mine, but rather my happiness is bound to my intimacy with this other person. It is now our happiness. And kind of going classical here, and this is not exactly revelation, but John Milton in Paradise Lost, you know, he kind of codify Satan's big rebellion as non-servium. Mm-hmm. I will not serve. Yes, and, and this is what, what binds Satan to the worst slavery, which is sin. And Jesus tells us, you know, uh, you are slaves, because the Pharisees are like, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And they, he said, no, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Satan became the greatest slave of them all because of his refusal to become a slave to God. Yeah, right? and I will not serve. I will not be a slave. Enters oppression, and the great antithesis to that is um, started in the garden, in Christ's agony in the garden, when you know he expresses, "I have my own will. If this if this cup can pass, let it, but not my will, but yours be done." And then that culminates in its expression in his ultimate gift of self on the cross. And yes. The married life is a unique opportunity to imitate that complete self-possession of Christ by self-emptying, that we do that with our spouses. And that freedom, that ability to do what is good, and the good 
being complete self-gift to our our beloved, well, that that becomes fruitful, and as 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 we know, begets our children. But but the fruit of that also begets the kind of love in our house that's going to characterize an invitation for our children to give free and consummate expression to themselves and to God. Yeah, and we all want a home that encourages the faith of our kids. Pope John Paul II talks about our home being a domestic church, but also a domestic school. And this is, you know, speaking as a school community, this is the important role that we play as parents with our kids, that our home should be a place of intellectual freedom. Mm -hmm. What is intellectual freedom? It is not that we take every idea out there and let our kids fend for themselves. This is the modern notion of intellectual freedom. That you, you're free to think wherever your thoughts will go. That's not freedom. Well, unless they're <laughs> traditional, because then you're just a slave to convention, right? <laughs> right? You're free to think whatever you want as long as it's not traditional. No, freedom is the ability for our kids to latch on to the truth easily. That when the truth is in front of them, they latch on to it with joy and delight. Yes. And that is what we want for our kids, Right. Indeed. Well, so this is Le Bon Vie. We're talking about the good life. And in particular, we're talking about freedom. Freedom as the ability to pursue the good life. And so as we're talking about freedom, I could see someone listening, getting the image of, a, of an incredibly chaotic home. So <laughs> everybody could just do what they want. <laughs> everybody just do, do what you want. Or, or we got to let our kids be free. We got to let them have consummate expression to freedom, which means Legos all over the floor and lots of laughter <laughs> when daddy steps on them. Which does happen. But no, and I'm glad you bring this up because the oppression of everyone's will, well, let me rephrase that, the suppression of everyone's will may bring order, but it doesn't necessarily bring freedom. Mm. And so there is this temptation in our homes and in our school and this is one of the reasons we have a classical school in JPG, is that we don't just want to suppress everyone's will, but rather perfect everyone's will. And that's different, you know? And it, yeah, it looks different too, because I can easily delude myself into thinking that my children are well-ordered whenever, no, they're just, they just fear my wrath. Yeah. And, and they're... I have coerced them into obedience. This is very different from what Pope St. John Paul talks about in his quote, that uh, the act of faith starts with a complete submission and obedience to God. So I want to encourage you, you parents of the school and the community, that you have a school that understands this notion of freedom very well, and that you, the faculty and administration and staff and everybody in your, in your kid's life when they go on campus— they want that person to be a free person, you know? And yes, there are rules and there are, because that's necessary for freedom. But um, our home life has to be an environment where that desire for freedom is translated into not yoking our children into things that will make it harder for them to be free to learn and cling to the truth. So for example, here are some things that may make intellectual life more difficult um electronic or other self-soothing if it's out of hand does not free people to cling to the truth it 
it binds people to only cling to what is pleasurable or self-soothing whenever we have free time. So would you say an example of, of this, what it, what it might look like would be when a child is able to enjoy themselves through isolation? Would that be kind of one of the ill fruits of, of this, of what you're talking about? Yes, because freedom is always directed toward another. And this is what John Paul II is saying. The fundamental act of freedom is to give our life to God and faith. It's directed toward another. And there's certain tendencies, not just video games, not just get on the iPad and the iPhone, not just veg out on Netflix all night, like not just those activities. There's plenty of activities that isolate us in a way that's satisfactory, that I actually enjoy the isolation. I enjoy the experience of being turned in on myself. And this limits my freedom. I become an oppressed person. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's very tempting to put these things before our child because oftentimes, as a parent, um, I got to get dinner ready. Yep. I got to make sure my kids are bathed and, and they have their uniforms for school tomorrow and... I got to do all the things all the time. And so I feel oppressed mm -hmm. and I just want them to leave me alone <laughs> so yeah. that I can, uh, quote unquote, love them, love them better. Yeah. And I, and I am not suggesting, and I don't think you're suggesting or, or suggesting that all modern forms of communication or games are like bad. No, not in and of themselves. The question is, are they freeing my child? Are they freeing mm -hmm. me? Or are they oppressing me? And this is something you'd, it's, you have to stand before God for your family, right? And you have, this yeah. is, it's, it's your decision. But here's the question. Over time, am I seeing more free people in my home or less free people in my home? Or the choices I'm making, making it easier to cling to what's true and what's good and what's noble or more difficult to cling to those things? And if the answer is, I don't know, well, then if we need to be more intentional about our freedom, right? And that's the point of this podcast is to encourage us all to think about those little kids we send off to school every morning. When they come back, is our life at home encouraging the same freedom that's being taught in the classrooms as an ideal that Mr. Alvarado and others are going to teach that we want to be free to love God and have this act of faith and we'll be free to learn what is true, good, and beautiful. Am I encouraging that same freedom at home? Yeah, yeah, and one of the biggest challenges is to consider, again, going back to the quote from Pope St. John Paul the Great, that, that freedom starts with an act of obedience. And so in thinking as a parent, what obedience do I ask of my children? And am I asking them to be obedient to things that allow them to better behold what is good? And that word beholding is so tied to freedom because to behold something is to be held by it, mm. to be captivated. And so we have, to, we have to look at what obedience am I asking of my children? And if, if the answer is, I don't know, uh, then I think it's pretty certain to say you're failing as your role, <laughs> in your role as a parent, right? Because the special kind of love between a parent and a child, what the Greeks would call storge, is the love that rests in the formation of the other. And what I mean by that is that we, our hearts in, in that, that love of storge, it, it's restless until our students, our, our children, 
Sorry, it applies to students too, but until our children are formed. And so the love of a parent ought to ask of the child obedience to what will equip them for greater freedom, which, yeah, might be chores, which might be um, put the phone away. Um, it's family reading time or family music time. And look, the first fin- fundamental freedom I think we can experience all right now is the freedom from thinking we have to have it all together or the freedom mm-hmm. from even considering the idea that I failed as a parent or as, you know, as, as something that I don't want to admit. We all fail as parents all the time. <laughs> like Absolutely. And not even in just in sinful ways. I mean, I think we're ready to admit that we sin. Yes, we all sin. But we also don't do everything perfectly, and that's okay. There's a freedom from acknowledging that we do the best we can, we work hard and all these things, but there's a freedom when we say, look, I can grow and get better all the time and it's okay. Like I'm not a failure as a person or as a Christian because I failed at doing certain things for my kids. In fact, me un- unwilling to admit that keeps me from being free because I'm, I'm bound to what I already think is, is good that I do. I'm not free to learn and to grow and to learn new skills as a parent. Yeah, let's call it what it is. It's pride. And pride is incredibly nefarious when it comes to the home because in our pride, we want a tidy, neat, well-ordered home. But the reality is that cultivating freedom is messy. It's human. It's human. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, has to, it has to come face-to-face with the reality of sin. Mm-hmm. Because if we, don't, if we don't allow our children to have the opportunity to sin— then we're also not allowing them to have the opportunity to develop their freedom. Yeah, and that brings us to our last point that I, uh, we, we certainly have to bring up, is that freedom is risky. Indeed. And if, you recon- if we recognize the freedom of our children and our students, then there's a risk there. But it, the risk is already there. That's the thing. Pride would say, I don't want to recognize this freedom, and I just want to make them into whatever I need them to be. Right. Pride is about risk minimizing. Right. Risk minimization. But the truth is they're already free people whether I want to recognize it or not. The truth is they're going to decide if they want to love God on their own. Not just one day, right now. <laughs> yeah. And my job is when they come to that, that fundamental moment that they are well equipped to say yes that I have done what I can to help them be as free as possible. But in the end, they are free. They, they are indeed. And so it requires great discipline in order to cultivate that freedom. Right. But that leads us to a topic for another episode. Discipline, yes. But, and, and as parents, too, there is a, I think there's a twofold way of guarding our kids' freedom. One, we have to keep the wolves away. Right? There is a guardianship to their freedom that I have to recognize and see when there are times that something might oppress their freedom, make it harder for them to love God and not easier. And I have to guard against those things and be vigilant all the time. And then the second is that I have to make sure that I'm encouraging that deeper freedom through discipline, as we'll talk about in another episode. But, um, yeah, so this, this idea of freedom so important, so fundamental to, to the classical home. The classical home is a free home, and we want our kids to live in the freedom that, uh, that God has given us by nature, but also by Jesus Christ. St. Paul talks about this, that we would live in the freedom of the sons of God and not submit to the yoke of slavery that is sin and ignorance, but rather live in this freedom that's ours by, by the gift of Christian living. 
The good life. The good life. And to tie it back to our previous episode, uh, freedom is joyful. Yes. Joyful people are free people. Free people are joyful people. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Le Bon V. Join us again next time. And for Kyle Alberato, I'm Deacon Adam Conk. Live the good life, folks. It's worth living. Indeed. Viva Le Bon Vie.